Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. I want you to turn with me to two scriptures this morning, uh, Jeremiah chapter 9 and also to Mark chapter 4. Jeremiah 9 and Mark 4 to begin with. Of course, for our, the, our recent time here, we've been talking about finishing out 2020. Uh, we've had a pretty full year, would you say? <laughs> Somebody said that's an understatement. <laughs> but guess what? We're here, we're alive, we're moving, breathing, still praising God and still affecting other people's lives. So praise the Lord for that. Jeremiah 9, and actually this is a scripture that we began the year with, if you may recall. Jeremiah 9, verses 23 through 24. If you need a subtitle for today, it'll be knowing the Lord and walking with him. Jeremiah 9, from verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. So none of those things qualify for glory. But here's something it does. Let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. You mean I can understand and know the Lord? Yeah, that's what he said out of his own mouth. He said, let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Now, I find that very interesting because God tells us that we can understand and know him. Now, how many of you may have come up in churches over the course of your life? Of course, if you're young and you've been in this church, you didn't come up this way. But you heard that you couldn't know the Lord. You couldn't understand him. His ways were, you know, past finding out and all that kind of stuff. Well, God didn't say this about himself. He says to us that we can glory in the fact that we understand and know him. Understand. Did you understand God? <laughs> all right. Now. How well we know the Lord is demonstrated in our lives by what we do. Okay? If we know him, then we're going to share in his interest. Okay? I know sometimes for some people, these are new things because everybody isn't taught these things. Now, some of y'all might take these things for granted in here, but everybody's not taught these things. Everybody doesn't understand the word as it is like this. Some of us, some people are watching may not understand. But these are things that have been in the Bible since the Bible's been here with us. Hallelujah. And so when we talk about this, we, we, we see here that if we say we know the Lord, then it should be demonstrated by the way that we live. Amen. All right. If we know him, then we're going to share in his interests. All right. Now, he says here. That loving kindness, justice, and righteousness are things that mean so much to him. And this is what he is about doing in the earth. So if he's about doing these things in the earth, what do you think we should be about doing? 
all right, showing mercy and loving kindness, also making sure that justice, and I say this, justice according to the word of God, not social justice and all this kind of crazy stuff flying around the airwaves, all right, but according to the word of God, which means whatever is right for someone is what God is talking about here. And then righteousness. He said, now, this is, these are things that I delight in. So now, if, if I know the Lord, then I'm going to delight in these things as well. All right? I'm going to be happy about righteousness. I'm going to be happy about people being treated right. All right? I'm going to be happy about loving kindness finding its place in the earth. All right? Now, also, if that's the case, then I'm going to love just as he loves. All right? Find with me 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I got three things in particular we, we need to do this morning. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> All right, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. So now, I could be saved. I could have my fire insurance, but... If I'm not loving, the Bible says, I don't know God. All right? All right? I don't know him. There's not an intimacy with him. I might say that there is, but if I am not aiming and striving to love as he loves, then um, I don't know him. And that makes sense because the Bible says that God is love, which we know love to be what? Serving, giving. It means to be unselfish. It means to be forgiving. Those are very specific character qualities of the love of God. I'm going to be a giver if I love and know God, all right? I'm going to be a forgiver if I love and I know God. I'm going to be unselfish if I know God, all right? These are important things. See, we, we tend to take that word love, and it's like this nebulous word is just kind of out there, and we give it our own connotations, but the word denotes certain things when it talks about God being love. He is a giver. God so loved that he gave. All right. So now, I will also hate what he hates if I say I know him. All right. All right. See, these things are not done in vain. Many times we need to just pick out things so we kind of understand who God is and what he's about. And there are some things that define him. All right. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Now, God doesn't hate people, but he hates certain things that are in our lives, and he wants them out. These six things, Proverbs 6 from verse 16, these six things does the Lord hate. Oh, seven are an abomination to him. Now, him hating something is one thing, but if it's an abomination, boy, it's got to be bad. <laughs> He says, so these six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. Now, so if I know him, then I'm going to love what he loves, love like he loves, 
but I'm also going to hate what he hates. And you notice it's interesting, these things that are on this list here. These are things that, God bless you, that when God sees them and they're operating, functioning in the lives of people, these are things he says, I do not want to be a part of your life. He said pride, right at the top of the list. A lying tongue has and shed innocent blood, so on and so forth. Now, if these things are a part of my lifestyle, they are things that obviously are going to do what? They're going to grieve the Spirit of God. Now, there's a lot of talk about hearing the Spirit of God and knowing the way he's leading and all these wonderful things. There's a lot of teaching on that. There are people talking about, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do this, lead me to do that, and all this kind of stuff. Well, if I am living a life that is grievous to the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be likely that I'm hearing him really other than the things that I'm grieving him about. This is important. All right, now slide with me over to Ephesians chapter 4. We have to pay attention to these things. Many of us, as God's people, we want to be led by the Spirit of God, and we claim that we are led by the Spirit of God when we do things and say things. But it's important that foundational things be right in our lives first. And these are some of those things. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I mean, you have to put the new man on. He said, but I thought I was new on the inside. Yeah, you are new on the inside, but our minds have to be clothed in this. We have to make a decision. I like the way he uses that language to put on the new man. Like when you got up this morning, you had to decide to put your clothes on. Isn't that right? Your clothes didn't just go poof and they were on you. Nope. You had to decide to put them on and you had to decide. I had to decide what I was going to wear. So I have to make a decision that I'm going to put on the new man in my thinking and my actions. All right. So he says, put on a new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but don't sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption." Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Be you therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now notice he says, grieve not. Grieve not. Now, what does it mean to be grieved? 
Have you ever been grieved? No, I don't mean necessarily by somebody dying, but let's just say somebody said something to you that, let's say, was contrary to your character. They said, you know what, uh, Ms. Janet, you are a liar. Now, you know down the inside of you that you tell the truth. But now for somebody to come up to you and call you that, and you're not that, how does that strike your heart? It's like, really? Really? Well, there are things that grieve the Holy Spirit. We want him to move in our lives, and we want to be led by him. But when we speak things that are untruthful, when we carry around bitterness and resentment, when we carry around hatred, when we steal, those are things that grieve the Spirit of God. In other words, it kind of puts a halt on him. And rather than him being active as he should be in our lives, he's got to kind of... Did you know God can hurt? <laughs> that he feels pain. And the Holy Spirit as the one who moves and operates with and through us is very sensitive to certain things. Just like he's very sensitive to the things of the nature of God. And when we become givers, true givers, not trying to get anything back from the people that we give to, but we're just giving because we want to see good in their lives. When we are givers, when we release other people from what they wronged us of the same way that God released us, the, the Spirit of God gets excited about that. Because you notice here it says that we should forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake forgave us. So when we do that, the way that God did towards us, that makes the Spirit of God happy and it gives him room to move and function and to operate. When we are unselfish, when we consider the needs of other people and not just our own, like Paul tells us in Philippians uh, chapter 2, that we're not to look only on our own things but also on the things of others. Right? But when we're only looking on our things, and it's all about me, 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 you know, in that scale we get stuck on me, that grieves the Spirit of God. Because God is not selfish. Hello, y'all you, you didn't leave me yet, did you? No, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. <laughs> hang with me, okay? Just hang with me. We'll get through this part of it, right? This is important. So pride, lying, selfishness, unfaithfulness, and unforgiveness are some chief things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, I believe it is almost, almost, not impossible, but almost near impossible to say that you are living and being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit in what you do, what you say, your decisions, and all that, if these things are major things in your life. Because I can tell you, I mean, we might slide by with some of these things for a little while. But it's not going to last very long because there'll come a point where when the only thing you're going to hear from God is getting these things out of your life. I mean, that's if you plan on moving and walking on with God. 
Now, if you're going to just, you know, say, well, you know, I don't want to hear from you no more. Forget about you. That's another story. But if your life is going to go on with God and you're interested in running with him and you want to be led and guided by him, these are things we have to deal with. And they have to be removed from our lives or else we're going to we're going to live misdirected lives. We're going to live misfocused lives. We're going to say God is moving on us and we're going to be hearing another spirit. It's not going to be the Holy Ghost. Now, we hear people all the time talking about, well, God told me this. Lord told me that. Well, now, I don't personally sit in judgment over people, but I have been at this thing long enough to know what I'm hearing. And I've also been at this thing long enough to know and understand certain things about the character of God and the way that he does things. And so when you, be, when you understand these things, and you, you hear people talking about wanting, being led by the Spirit of God, but yet certain things in their lives don't match what we're seeing here, there's a problem. And so what has to happen is we have to back up. When I say we have to, I'm talking about people that say they want to be led by the Spirit of God, and these things are prominent. Now, none of us have arrived yet. I'm not saying that. Nobody's arrived yet. But when these things are prominent in your life that, that, that God hates and are a displeasure to him, you got to back up and say, OK, hold up a minute. Let, let me let me deal with these things here. Before I talk so much about being led by the Holy Spirit. In doing certain things, I need to deal. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to me because when I look at this list that God talks about, pride and lying are right at the top. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Pride, we know, is what got Lucifer in trouble. Big time trouble. Because he wanted to do what? Exalt himself. It's part of what pride is, is self-exaltation. Nobody can tell you what to do. Nobody can lead and guide you. Nobody can help you. I got all the answers. If I'm wrong, I won't admit it. All those are characteristics of pride. And then when I go and I can see why lying is such a big issue, because we talk about the Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth. Your word is truth. So those are things that go contrary to the very nature of the Holy Spirit of God. So how am I going to be led by him? If I'm living ways that are totally contrary to his nature and character, I think it's an almost impossibility. So I got to have a checkup from the neck up. <laughs> got to have it. <laughs> and say, okay, now uh, uh, I see this here. The Holy Spirit, let's deal with me. That's one of the ways that we can really see that pride is coming down out of our lives when we can get honest with God and honest with ourselves. You know what, God? You know what, Nick? I got an issue. Now, Lord, help me to clean this stuff out of, up out of my life so that I can hear crisply and clearly from you where my life is concerned and how I will impact and influence the lives of other people. 
But see, folks, it's something that we all have to realize that we're going to influence and impact somebody's life every day, every day. Not one thing that we do or say is insignificant. Somebody's going to catch it, smell it, taste it, see it, hear it, feel it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You still with me here? All right. Now, check out 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. We're going to get through this part of it. <laughs> if the shoe doesn't fit, you don't wear it. Remember that? If it does, we deal with it. But if we want to talk about knowing God and walking with him, then we've got to understand where he is, his character and nature, what turns him on, what turns him off. It's very important. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 3. Now, as touching things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. But now look at this. It says knowledge puffs up, but charity or love edifies. If any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him or known of God. Now, this is kind of interesting here because knowledge is wonderful. And we all need to go after knowledge. But notice what he says here. Knowledge, if it doesn't have love going along with it, all it does is it causes you to be proud. And that kind of knowledge will come out of you and it will hurt people rather than build them up. Now, Everybody needs to be aware of this, but, you know, I was chronologically younger at one time. You know, so I, I choose my words very carefully, chronologically, okay? <laughs> I still count myself to be young, chronologically, okay? But just like we, we talked last week, some things we shared with our young people. Many times in our youth, we feel like we know it all, all right? And that nobody really can tell us anything. And especially once we get a few facts under our belt. I've, told, I've used this as an example before. When I was growing up, my dad used to tell me, you need to drink water, boy. You need to drink water. And of course, I had a little bit of science. And you know, you, you learn some things about how the body breaks things down. And you think, well, you know what? You know, the, 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 if I drink some milk, the body will break it down and it'll, you know, separate all the nutrients and the water and stuff in it. But you, I don't care what you, what, what you drink, you're going to have to have some water. And I learned it one time in my life when I started learning about water and my thoughts went back to my dad. I said, you know, my dad was right. <laughs> now, I was in eighth and ninth grade, had a little bit of biology, you know, a little bit of science, and I thought I knew something. And so I wanted to argue with him about the fact I didn't need you. I don't, the body will break down whatever I drink. But I found out later on that you got to have straight up agua. But now you know what that did? That led me also to being able to help people in a loving way to understand the importance of drinking water. See, so early on, knowledge made, proud, made me proud and thought I thought I knew something. But later on, when love was added to the knowledge, what it did is it brought edification. 
Now, this is important. Because knowledge can make you very, very proud. And what happens with that knowledge when you don't have love added to it is it brings pain and hurt to other people because you don't use the knowledge correctly. You either use it to build yourself up, which is never going to work, make yourself feel like somebody. And when you do that kind of stuff, you have to protect yourself. God doesn't get a chance to protect you. You have to protect yourself. So you got to protect your own reputation, all that kind of stuff. And when you do that, you hurt other people. That's right. Because you got to defend yourself. And if somebody comes, you know, across, crisscrosses your knowledge and challenges it, what are you going to do? You're going to lash out at them. Protect yourself. Protect your turf. See? So here he says, he said, Knowledge makes one proud, he said, but love is what edifies. So when I get, take the knowledge that I have received and I use it to build up rather than to tear down, I'm doing what it is that God tells me, that love and that knowledge of benefiting others. Now, what should I do if I happen to be in a position here that on one hand, I say I love God, but let the things that, yet the things that are in my, in my mind and that are being manifested in my life are things that he hates. What should I do? Well, the first thing I do is I go to him and I ask for forgiveness. Okay? When I recognize these things, I ask him, say, Lord, you know what? I see from what you say in the Bible here. I'm operating in ways that are not right. So I humble myself, the opposite of pride. Okay? I humble myself. I ask you to forgive me. Then what do I do after that? I repent. Okay? See, forgiveness and repentance are two different things. I know most of you in here, you, you, you know this. You should, you should know this by now. I can ask God to forgive me, but yet not repent. That's right. I could, I could do the same thing over and over and over again, and I ask the Lord over and over and over and over and over again to forgive me. But I don't necessarily have to have repented. Repent means that I'm changing my direction. See, many people don't know this. This very, very simple truth. A lot of folks don't, don't, don't understand that. But I, I go and I ask forgiveness. I repent, and then I put myself in a place to become teachable. Do you know that there are a lot of people today that are not teachable? <laughs> Did you know that? Somebody said, oh, really? <laughs> Some teachers probably would know that, you know. But, <laughs> but there are some people that are not teachable. You cannot sit them down and say, listen, I can tell you something that's going to keep you from beating your head up against the wall. I don't want to hear it. Shut down. Boom. Shoot. Trap door. And you can't help anybody like that. So what a person has to do, if your life is wrapped up in any of this stuff, you got to, first of all, ask God to forgive you. Secondly, you have to choose, okay, I'm going to repent. Lord, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing. And it, it, it may take me a while to get there, but I'm changing the way I'm thinking, and I'm going to go your way. Because with everybody, these things don't happen overnight. 
usually not with most of us. But anyway, some people can get it and just go, choom, bam. But with some, there is a process of, of mind renewal that with some people, it may take longer than others. It's a stronger fight. Maybe some of these things were strongholds in their lives. And strongholds, you don't just go, and it's gone. Man, you got to get a wrecking ball, wrecking crew. You got to get some dynamite. You got to blow some stuff up. And then you got to clean up. And all of that is a process. And with some people, it doesn't happen quickly. And that's where the rest of us come in who have learned something about loving people and know how to help walk people through these things. But we have to become teachable. Every one of us has to be teachable. The greatest and fastest way to knowledge, and not only knowledge, but usefulness to the Lord, is to be teachable. To have a teachable spirit says a lot about a person. Being teachable, you can see humility in that. Yes, you can. Because you're not too proud to let somebody else into your life and show you something that you don't know. And you're not too proud to say, thank you for teaching me. There are times here in praise and worship, my daughter has taught me things about Saul. I said, who do you think you are? I'm your daddy. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> Stupid. There are things that she might see about chord progressions that are different than I do. So I humble myself and learn. Somebody said, really? Yes, really. <laughs> Absolutely. You know why? I want to learn more. And I want to be more useful. I listen to people. I have people speaking into my life, teaching me things from the word of God. I listen. I have people teaching me things about what's going on on this land, what's going on in this world. I am a sponge for good knowledge because I want to grow. And if you are not teachable, you're going to stunt your growth. You can't grow if you're not teachable. So I ask forgiveness. I repent. I become teachable. What happens when I start living that way is it helps me to become a true worshiper. Somebody said, what's that got to do with worship? <laughs> it's got everything to do with worship. Because when I understand that worship goes beyond the song, worship is bigger than a song. Worship has to do with the attitude of my heart towards the Lord. And one of the primary words and the primary definition, definition of worship is obedience. If I am a true worshiper, I'm not somebody who just sings songs and gets good feeling out of the songs. That's wonderful. But if I'm a true worshiper, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, I'm going to be one who is in submission to God, 
Just like another definition of it is it's like a dog that follows his master, licks his master's hand. That's another part of the definition of worship. And so it's going to bring me to that place of where God can teach me. He can instruct me. He can guide me in the way that I should go. Because I'm submitted and I'm willing to be obedient to him. There are a lot of people today that are wrapped up in what we call worship and believe that they're worshiping God. And you can be singing a song. That's wonderful. God likes the sound from some people. Some people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they might be singing off key. But if that sound is coming from a heart that is laid out before him, he said, I like that sound. You might have trouble with it in your ears. <laughs> but he thinks it's pretty cool because it's coming from a heart that says, hey, I love you for real. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something here. I don't usually talk like this like I'm talking today. But I've got to teach you some things. I, just, I felt this this morning and yesterday. There, I'll tell you why some people love worship. I'm not saying this is totally wrong. I'm just telling you why some people love it. Because of the feeling that it brings. And there's nothing wrong with a good feeling. But a lot of people who are depressed like that good feeling. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. If that is what will help keep you going and deal with, help you deal with that, that's wonderful. But listen, that's not the total essence of worship. Because once you deal with the feel good and get away from the music, if you got these issues in your life you got to deal with, you got to deal with them because the music is not going to wipe them away. <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on. Gotta, we got to get this. <laughs> the music is not going to wipe it away. Because once you stop and your hands come down and you ah, you're going to go look in the mirror. And you're going to see you and you're going to remember that for 42 days, you've been evil to somebody. <laughs> Let's pull that out the hat, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know? And so it's nice to do this. It's nice to kneel. It's nice to lay prostrate before the Lord. It's nice to, to know all the worship songs. Wonderful. Take nothing away from it. But if you don't deal with what you have to deal with with you beyond the feeling, this means very little. Because this does not make you a true worshiper. I've learned over the years, not only from looking at other people, but it times over the course of my life where I may have had challenges and I'm working with working, obeying God in some area. But I have noticed this, that when a life is not right, there is a scratchy sound that comes from that voice. Not because it's tired or not because 
You know, they may be challenged with some circumstance of life. I'm talking about a heart that's not right. I'm not talking about the challenges. Maybe somebody's got a sore throat or whatever. Or maybe they're just tired. That happens. I'm not talking about that sound. <laughs> I'm talking about how this thing comes out. And when it hits the ear, it's not the sound of a true worshiper. Because something in that heart is not moving towards being right with God. This is important. See, folks, a thing that we probably should talk about more in church and in Christianity is when we talk about being led by the Holy Spirit and his functioning and operating in our lives, we should talk about how he wants to teach and hone us on our own insides so we become sensitive to the things that we hear and see as we're moving around. See, to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost is not just for me personally. As I hear and I smell, <laughs> I can be in a position to help somebody else if I'm sensitive to what's going on through him on my inside. And a big part of that has to do with being turned on by what turns him on and hating what he hates. And then being willing to do something with my own personal life and character and mind renewal so that I push these things out of my life. And as I become, see, when these things are in my life, I become grieve, grievous to him. Well, when these good things are in my life, I become sensitive to him. And I start getting more understanding of what's going on in the atmosphere around me as well as what's going on in the lives of other people. This is so important. Why are we here? We're here to help people, aren't we? Everybody who names the name of Jesus, we're here to help somebody. Hallelujah. And we can't do it without the Holy Spirit, can we? No way in the world we can do it without the Holy Spirit or without the Word of God. So, if I'm going to be a true worshiper, I am going to have to fix my life. And I am going to have to go beyond the song and always have my heart open before God. And one of the greatest things that I can do is to be and or remain teachable. 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 I make this profession and confession to you that I will never, ever, ever in my life be too old to learn and I will never know so much that I think I can't learn something from anybody, 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 <laughs> anybody. I watch young people, younger people, because there are things that I can learn from anybody. And I want that for my life. All right. So what we talked about here is what brings worship both into and beyond the song. Now, 
When it comes to focusing on the interest of the Lord, distractions become a major issue. Somebody said, again, that's an understatement. <laughs> distractions. Distractions. Anybody ever been distracted? <laughs> See, I would, it would be safe for me to say that anybody who's in here who loves the Lord, I mean, really, you, you love him, you, you want to serve him, you want to know more about him, you want to become more intimate with him, and you want to do more for him. Is, I mean, is anybody in here like that? Am I, am I by myself? Okay, let me just check in, okay. But so much of the time, we have to deal with distractions, and there are so many of them. Good Lord. And it seems like as time goes on, and the more, you know, chronology you get beyond you, that it seems like these things just almost like they blow up. And whenever you set your heart or your mind, whether it's to spend time with the Lord or do something that is constructive, there's always something trying to Put you on a different track. There's a scripture in Mark chapter 4. Jesus, when he talked about, we call it the parable of the sower. And he talked about the sower sowing the word. And he talked about the different types of hearts on ground. And he talked about some of the things that the enemy would use to keep the word of God from being able to produce the most fruit in our lives that it possibly could. And there are certain weapons or certain tools that the enemy will use to pressure us in order to keep that word from finding place in our hearts and bearing fruit. This is something to keep in mind, guys. I, I took this for granted for a long time. And I have to remind myself of this when I talk to people. Do you know that everybody does not know, I'm, I'm talking about Christian people, do you know that every Christian does not know that this Bible is meant to be used in life? <laughs> Did you, have you figured that out yet? Everybody doesn't know that. Everybody does not know that, I'm talking about Christian people, that they're to take the scriptures and, 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 and plant them in themselves and then want to live by what they put inside of them. There are Christian people that don't know that. The Bible's a nice book. We read it, we're supposed to read it because we're Christians, but how about taking a scripture off the page on purpose, ingesting it, and then wanting the Holy Spirit to help you learn how to live it? There are so many Christians that don't know that. And so when we talk to them like this, we talk in Spanglish. <laughs> They're not hearing it. They don't understand. So they have to be taught, you know, this, the word is meant to find place inside of you so that it can produce fruit and you can act on and do the word. 
do the word. <laughs> Be a doer of the word, not just an admirer. This is so important. I talk to people like this all the time, and I always got, got the Holy Spirit's got to help me. And when, when I'm talking and conversing and I hear certain things, then, okay, we got we, we to locate where this person is at. They don't know that this word is meant to go into them, to be meditated on, to be mused upon, to be chewed on, masticated, <laughs> swallowed it, <laughs> and then have it be digested and then go out into the rest of the system. <laughs> so we take things like that for granted and not be able to communicate with certain types of people. Okay, just thought throw that in. Jesus said in verse 19, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I'm going to read that scripture from some you know, of people's favorite translation, the Amplified Bible. I'm going to read from verse 19 in the Amplified. It says, then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age. Distractions of the age. Every age has had its distractions. If we, if I went through all of us today, we could all name some of the distractions of the age. It's real, one, I mean, we, we talked about this before. We all know it. I mean, it's really, really, really simple. This thing here is one of the major distractions of the age right now. Because you're carrying the whole world around in your hand. And all you got to do is wake up in the morning. Whatever. Ding, or whatever you got is a tone. <laughs> and not only that, but it's just it's like an, if, if you don't watch out and don't learn how to train yourself, it becomes a magnet. It's the North Pole. You're the South Pole. <laughs> don't even let them get close to each other. And there you go. Before you know it. Emails, Messenger, Facebook, everything you think of, you're just gone. And where did time go? Two hours. What? But I was going to, whoa, oh no, I got to do something else now. I got to go. All right? Anybody been there? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm like, you know. Distractions of the age. Now, there are lots of distractions besides just that, but that's a major one. The enemy knows certain things. Let me tell you something. And if you don't know the secret, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reveal a secret of the devil. <laughs> he knows that he is not powerful enough to just take you out. He cannot just come up to you and kill you. Somebody said, really? Yeah, because don't, don't you think he'd have done that a long time ago? <laughs> Matter of fact, if he could have done it, he would have done it right when you were getting ready to say, Jesus, be the Lord. He was like, bam, get out. You're going to hell with me. You couldn't do it. What? And this is this. See, people that want to take advantage of other people learn this very well. 
And we have a new world order that has studied this and learned this over the centuries very, very well. That what we have to do is take people and make them use their own power against themselves. Mess up their decision-making process, feed them wrong information, feed them information that are lies, and get them to bite on it so that they will use their power against themselves. That is satanic. And that's exactly the way that he operates. Because he can't just come up to you and put your lights out. That's why he's called a deceiver. He'll give you information. There might be a piece of truth in it. But what the bottom line is, I got a bite for it. Incorporate it in my life, in the process here, in the channels. Get it going in there and then make a decision to say it or live by it. Yeah. And if you can't get that, then what you can do is just start dancing all over the place. Different colors, different sounds. Get you looking at something and get you so mesmerized on it that you can't look at what God is saying or hear what he's saying. And then get you so wrapped up in those distractions that they become abundant inside of the heart and mind and whatever you got in there that is good, it gets choked because it can't breathe <laughs> and won't produce fruit. Now, distractions are things that many, many, many people don't give a whole lot of attention to or the kind that we should. Too much unhealthy entertainment can be a distraction, but people also can be a distraction. Somebody said, people, we're supposed to love, I know we're supposed to love people, but you know, sometimes people can become a distraction. You can hang out with the wrong people. Or you can give too much attention to people that don't want to make it in life. Sometime or another, and I'm not the one who judges this time, God is the only one that knows. But there are times that we have to cut people off. Somebody said, Pastor, that sounds hard. Listen to me. Take it from me. I know from experience. There are some people in life that don't want to go anywhere, but they will take your ear, they will bend it, they will flex it, they will feel it, they will yell in it, cry in it, scream in it, talk nice in it, but they don't want to go anywhere in life. And some people, and especially people who are mercy motivated, especially, you got to learn that there's a time you got to take the scissors and and leave them to God. Folk, in pastoring all the years that we have, I, boy, I, tell, I, I have, if there's one, one of the lessons that I've learned is that. And there will come a time that there's some folks that you just have to say, God, you got them. Because where they are right now, they don't want to make changes. And all you are doing is wearing yourself 
and you're being sucked dry. The enemy will bring people into our lives at times for that very purpose. That's right. Somebody said, Pastor, that don't sound like love. You better listen to me. <laughs> there are some people that the enemy will bring into your life on purpose for that very reason right there. And this is another reason why we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because when that is the case, you got to cut that thing off. Just say, hey. There's sometimes we keep company. People that don't have certain standards for living for God. 1 Corinthians 15.33 tells us that evil communications corrupt good morals. Be not, and he said, be not deceived. So you don't want to make covenant relationships with people that don't want to run with God. We'll pull you back. But I'm strong. Okay, okay, okay. You know it all. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. My bad. I mean, if the Bible says it, it's obviously a reason God put it in there. Evil communications will corrupt good morals. So if you covenant with people, hang out, rub shoulders with I'm not saying you don't go into places. Man, I've gone into bars. I've gone into places to talk to people that I don't hang out in, but I've gone into places. And we'll go into more. But I'm not going to sit down and covenant with them people. Ah. See, you, you, you challenge yourself there. So people, anxiety is a distraction. This is a major one. Because many times in life, we get either can be uncomfortable about our own situations, whether it happens to be um, material, physical, or just something that needs to be done. Anxiety, and see, this is one of the actual words for care that's used in, in, in the New Covenant. Anxiety, anxious. It can happen with me in my own stuff, or I can be anxious where other people are concerned and think that I have to be the one that fixes their life. It's a couple of traps. See, anxiety will wear you down and wear you out. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? Oh, Lord, oh, I got this knee. I got oh, Lord, they're going to cut my lights off. Oh, Lord, my shoe got a hole in it. Oh, can I make it to the gas station? Oh, Lord, I got to iron my clothes. Oh, Lord, I got to do my hair. Oh, and all these things. I got to, 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 I got to. And you start all on the inside. You start. And you're drawn off in 42 different directions. I like the number 42 today for some reason. I don't know. Different directions. And then all that happens is that you get tired on the inside and get very little done. There are a couple of scriptures I'm going to read where this is concerned. This is so important. Anxiety. This is one reason why, why, why God is, was, is against us and he against it and tells us scriptures on how to deal with care and anxiety. Because it will cause all kinds of things to happen on the inside of you and then will manifest outside of you if you don't learn how to deal with it. 
I was telling somebody I was talking to recently of something I had to learn about 30, 36 years ago. I was working in a ministry. I was working in the prayer department. And there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Bro Kenny Moore, he, he remembers some of this stuff way back. This was before you moved into the prayer department. But we had baskets, baskets of letters that had to be dealt with, telephone calls that were coming in from everywhere. And there was only four people at this time. Well, I'll take that back. It was, it was, it was, it was one, two, three, it was about five, I think. But anyway, I was so thrilled and so happy to be able to help that I, want, I started doing more than really I was required to do. And I don't, I don't have any problem with that because I think, you know, to be faithful is to go beyond the call of duty. But you can go way beyond <laughs> to where you start doing things that other people should be doing. And you take all that upon yourself. I was bringing baskets of letters home. Staying late at times. And I noticed one day, I'm 27 years old. I'm starting getting pains up and down. Thought, oh, hold up here. I'm 27. Ain't this supposed to be happening? And so you know what I did? I learned right then in that experience. Dude, you can't do it all. You can't take it all upon yourself. So stop so you don't kill yourself. Lesson learned. Because I said, this ain't happening again to me. Ain't no, you ain't never coming nowhere near me, not for that reason, ever again in my life. And see, the way that I think, I don't think just about me. I think about the people that are involved in my life. Oh, God. This is important to you guys, every one of you. When you realize how important you are to other people, you're going to learn to take care of yourself. And it goes beyond just taking care of yourself for you. You think, wait a minute. And this is what was running through my mind. I'm thinking, I got a wife, I got children. I can't take, get myself taken out early. And I'm, 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 I said taken out. I, don't, I can't take, let myself be taken out. Or have to have other people taking care of me because I can't take care of myself. No, 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 don't get, don't get upset at anybody. Nobody, don't get upset. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to help you learn how to live. And see, what taking on too much will eventually wear you out. So you've got to learn how to roll and cast care over on God. Let's look at a couple of scriptures, Philippians 4, 6 through 8, and then we'll go over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Just hang tight, guys, hang tight. This is... 
These are life, life lessons today, okay? <laughs> Philippians 4, from verse 6. This takes work. It takes practice. It takes God helping you. It takes decisions. Because I'm going to tell you what, every one of us is susceptible to this in some form or another. And if not in a small form, it's gonna, it can be enlarged and it will balloon on you if you don't learn this. Because it is a tactic of the enemy to knock you out. Bam. He wants you dead out the way or impotent where spiritual things are concerned. So check this out. Philippians 4 from verse 8, 6 rather. Be anxious uh, for a couple of things. Uh, oh, really? My bad. Huh. Be anxious for no thing. Now, come on now. Uh, 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 Nothing. He said, but uh, my baby's out in the world. <laughs> Maybe a fact of life, but God said be anxious for nothing. Why? Because anxiety is not going to be the thing to fix it. As much as we might think we will, it's not going to be the thing to fix it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and notice with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So let's, let's break this down just a little bit here. We don't want to do, do too much with it. Let's break it down a little bit. If I'm going to be anxious and fretful and worried about something, then obviously I didn't take it to prayer and leave it in God's hands, did I? So what it means is I'm trying to make this thing work myself. Without the power of God. I've thought this, you know, it's like over the, in, 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 in times and days past, the way, and we, we don't, we, we don't the, the enemy doesn't open this up to us so we think this way, but this is actually it. We think that anxiety and care and worry will fix, fix things by our actions and by what goes on on the inside. But you know what? It never has fixed anything. It has done nothing but wear on you. So he says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So the way we handle something is what? We pray, and what do we do? We roll it over on God, and what do we do? We offer thanksgiving to him. And especially when anxiety comes to hit and pound us in the head again, that's the time we shift gears, and we go into thanksgiving mode. Thank you, Father. I put that before you. God, you got this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You heard my request. You heard what I asked. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, look what that does. We all know what happens when we do that. It just totally obliterates the care, the anxiety, and it takes us to another level. You would think we all would learn. Once it finally worked, one time in our life, we would finally learn to deal with everything like that. <laughs> but some of us don't. So that's what sometimes the Lord has to remind us. That's all. That's all. But some of us, some of us this is just a reminder. 
with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And notice what he says happens there. He says, and the peace of God. We're not talking about a secondhand peace. We're not talking about some special peace that's just for you. He said, the peace of God. Now, if there's anybody that ain't worried about anything, it'd be the Lord. He is just as chilled as chill could be. He ain't sweat nothing. Nothing! You can't shake him up. You can't make him worried or anxious about anything. He said, the peace of God. That does what? Passes all understanding. Imagine you'd be so much peace, you think, how in the world I ain't worried? What? Oh, why are you going to get concerned about that? What? what? Peace that passes all understanding. And then he says, it will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And then he says, now here's what I want you to do. Think on these things. <laughs> he said, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is Honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. If there's any virtue in any praise, he said, do what? Think on these things. <laughs> Whoo, Lord. So did he say, think on how to be anxious about what's going to happen if they come and get my car? If they come and get my clothes, I ain't got no shoes to wear. But what happens if the, the, the heel come off my shoe and I'm out there and in front of people and I'm preaching and the heel come off my shoe? Well, the heel just come off my shoe. And I keep preaching. I came out one time and I had two different shoes on. That's right. They were the same color, but two. And I looked up one day, and I, that day I looked. <laughs> Look at that. But you know what? I went on and preached. Some of you are looking now and make sure I got two right shoes on. <laughs> I said, okay, so what? Now, to some people, that'll freak them out. They think, oh, God, how am I going to look? How am, how am I going to look? How am I going to look? People think about that kind of stuff. It's like, I don't care. See, you, you can't do stuff like that. That's what you. There are times I've come out of my head and do what I thought I wanted to do. But I, I got something to do. <laughs> and so something little like that is not going to freak me out and run me off of what I'm supposed to do. Hallelujah. That's right. So we would learn whatever. Now, God says, think on these things. So we have to train ourselves with God's help to learn how to harness our mind and our thinking so that the distractions and the cares of the age don't move us off of what God has for us or move us off of a prayer that we put before him or situation or whatever it may be. And so that we don't injure ourselves by trying to be God, because that's what it boils down to. And I know it's, kind of, it's, it's a hard thing to swallow, but to feel like I got to be the one to fix it, you're putting yourself in a place where you're saying, I'm going to be God. And neither you nor me be he. <laughs> We're in him, his life and nature, but he be God. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. You with me here? All right, another scripture. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Hallelujah. Humble yourselves. Humble myself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting somebody, I heard you say, all your cares. All of them. All of them. See, now I, I take this here. I got, I got these three things here. They represent three cares. And here's how some of us read that scripture sometimes. Mm? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to keep this one. <laughs> Come on, somebody know that's right. Amen. You can say amen. Hallelujah. Somebody can say amen. Yeah, oh, I got y'all. You can, God, you can have them too. <laughs> but this one's mine. <laughs> I can handle this one. Uh, I know you can't. Not by yourself. <laughs> Why'd you laugh so much, Miss Jerry? God bless you. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Casting all your care upon him. Now notice why. Here, check this out. He said, be sober. That's part of being sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. So who are we going to be able to devour? Is the one that ain't learned how to humble himself under the mighty hand of God and let God have all his care and anxiety. I don't care what it's about. Put yourself in position to be devoured. Somebody said, that's just for old people. No, that. <laughs> Put that back. <laughs> So now, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Here, God says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is what? Everlasting strength. Boy, they get rock of ages from that. Okay, that's it. Here's the last one here. Now, I'm going to do something this morning I have never done to my recollection in the life of this church. Never done. Never done. Every year, I believe God for a word. Words, however you want to put it, for the year to come. Most of the years that has come in November, December, and I'll milk it a while, but I don't ever say anything until either New Year's Eve comes or into that first week in January. Well, I heard some stuff from the Lord back in August, and my plan was just to roll with it like I normally do, just incubate it, which I have been doing, and get ready for the next year. Well, I had the Lord put it on my heart to share now. I said, really? Yeah, now. And I'm going to share with you why. And then we're going to have our little assignment start today. 
in moving in that direction. 2021, and this is, I heard this so clear and so distinctly, I'm, I'm just sitting there minding my business, you know, and as a matter of fact, I was hearing somebody else share, share some stuff from the word, and it's just going, bam. 2021, the year of eternal life. <laughs> I knew I'd get that out of you. <laughs> the year of eternal life. And so I was, it was, yeah, yesterday I was just kind of, I was messing around with some stuff, and then I was listening to some things, and then I thought, oh, wow. And so God just put it in my heart and said, put it out now. And let's start working with this now. So I'm doing something I've never done before. I've never. Those of you who've been around, you know I have never done this before. I keep it. I don't even tell my wife. And it's been very rare that I've ever said anybody to any anybody over the years. Uh, I mean, like when when Angel was working in the office, there were times I had to, you know, give her some stuff with labels and all that kind of stuff and things that were, were playing planned, but, and so, I mean, and it's, that's just something I never made a habit of doing, let's put it that way, I just didn't do it. And I didn't do it where the congregation was concerned. That's what I'm trying to say. I've been dropping hints in some ways in some of the things that we have been sharing over the last month or so. One of the things that we have to recognize, and I know why God is going this way, because next year is going to be some kind of year where the church is concerned, at least for those who have made up their minds that they are going to stick with and push through all this stuff that's been going on and come out on the other side, still living, kicking, breathing, moving and wanting to glorify God and want to see America be what it's supposed to be. Eternal life refers primarily to a quality of life. It's not ma the major definition for eternal everlasting life is not duration of time. And matter of fact, we'll dissect this thing so and look at all the word times that that word life is used in connection with being or being by itself eternal everlasting. And you'll find out very few of those times that it has anything to do with a duration of time. Most of the church don't know that yet. We should, but we don't. And that has all, makes all the difference in the world on how we approach what we're talking. We talk about people having to get saved and get eternal life. And so many Christians don't have a clue about what that really, really, really means. And so if you don't know something, how are you going to manifest what God wants you to manifest with that's concerned? It's going to be rare that it happens. Now, I want you to hang out with me for a few minutes here. Don't, don't, don't leave yet. Please don't leave. We've got to get this done. All right. Eternal life or everlasting life is God's life. It's God's life. It's God's life. Do you hear? I mean, it's God's life. It's what makes him. Who he is, it's what causes his heart to pump Kool-Aid. It's his life. Now, when you talk about the purpose of Christianity, which again is something 
that we got to be so educated in this God's people. Why are you a Christian? Why am I a Christian? What is God's reasoning and purpose behind it? To get saved and go to heaven? No, man. It's to grow up into Christ in all things and to be a manifestation of that life here in the earth so other people can see God. That's why the things we talked about over the years, they mean more than anything because that's the purpose behind them because that's God's purpose. We're here to be manifestations of God. I know that. No, you don't. No, if we knew that like we were supposed to, more of us would be demonstrating God. Instead of running away from stuff, that the life of God would just <laughs> and God wouldn't even burp. It's just gone. <laughs> Swallowed up, destroyed. We, we, we've got, good God Almighty, we've got something that no devil, no demon, no system, nobody can deal with and shut it down unless we allow it to be shut down through fear or ignorance. Who is going to get up in God's face and go, who's going to do that? You talking about waiting, show him the hand. It's over for whatever that was. <laughs> there you go. Just chuckle. And that's what the Bible says. We begin today. We're going to start some stuff. And I want you to turn to Psalm 65. Oh, my God. Psalm 65. Matter of fact, there's one scripture inside of this psalm. I know for a couple of years, we had used one of them was 2004. <laughs> we had used a scripture in this. We're going to read this whole psalm. And when we read the whole psalm, Psalm 65, we read the whole psalm, 13 verses. And then we're going to just look at it, take it home with you, and make time to go through it occasionally. But some of the things that we're going to pray, speak, and declare come out of what God talks about, what the psalmist talks about here, about what God desires to see released in the earth. And for us, we want to see it released not just inside of the household of God. But see, we got to get in the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to get beyond this thing about coming to church and just expecting miracles and stuff inside the church. Folk, we're supposed to be out there declaring the word of God to the center, and most of the miracles are supposed to take place outside there. We come here to be built up, edified, strengthened. Yeah, if we need some things in our lives, the, the place is supposed to be there for that. But the church has such a mindset, most people, that even if you do believe in the supernatural or you do believe in those things, you think, oh, it's just for me inside this church. But do I suppose to take the, the word out on, uh, 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 where I work and, and, and put the word out there and, and, and was, am I supposed to take it to the grocery store? I take it to Walmart? And stand up in the middle of Walmart and start preaching and proclaiming the word? 
And I remember, what well, I may have been last, was it last summer maybe, I went to Walmart, there were some young people that were walking around, and they were, they were praying for people. And so I just kind of hooked myself up with them. And we were walking around, I mean, and, and praying for people, and, and the heat of God was getting all on people. It's like, and it, people were getting healed in Walmart. And there was a lady, one of the helpers in there didn't like it and wanted to chase us out of there. But see, this is where these are things supposed to take place there because people don't know God. And so we have to be the demonstration and the manifestation of him. We learn about these things here, yes. But we've got to be willing to take this word and put it into the airwaves where the sinners are. Because remember, when God told those guys, after Jesus told them after he was raised from the dead, he said to go. And then he said to them, he was working with and confirming the word. Some of us think it's just going to come by slapping hands on somebody. No, God's going to confirm his word. So if we don't put no word out, what's he got to confirm? It's why stuff don't happen like it should with most of the church. Not all, most of it, because you don't put no word out. You just expect God to go boom and come on the spot and boom, kazam. Uh-uh. No. And see, you'll be doing like generations have done and keep putting the move of God off until, 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 until. I don't want y'all to do that. It's now. But we've got to put it out and give God something to work with, which means one of the things we have to do is pray and ask God for boldness. <laughs> Let me back up. First, we've got to go to the word and find out what it says. Ingest it. Do some praying and then ask him for boldness and then go out and put that word out. Somebody said, what if I'm the only one around? Woo! Glory, hallelujah. If God be for me, who can be against me? A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. Now come near me. You, me, and God are a majority all the time. All the time. All right, let's read this. Psalm 65. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king. I'm in the wrong place. It's, it's good, but it's the wrong place. I, st I started reading. I thought, okay, y'all. I told y'all the wrong scripture. Go, that's just my bad. <laughs> I, maybe I should finish reading that too, but you know, no, no. I got to keep, keep y'all, hold y'all interest here because I think we've been at this for a little while. My bad. It's a good psalm, though. Mm -hmm. Praise waits for you, O God, in Zion. And unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you shall purge them away. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in your courts. 
we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, even of your holy temple. By terrible, awesome things in righteousness will you answer us, O God of our salvation. Wow. Who art confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea, which by his strength set us fast the mountains, being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of the waves and the tumult of the people. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou givest enrichment. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn or grain when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Listen to this. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness or abundance. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. Now, all this stuff, God is dropping good stuff on the people. Now, you're going to have to roll with me here. Because, and you gotta, you got to hear all the things that we have been saying for a number of years now. Number one, the church ain't ready to get out of here yet. Somebody is, is rapture ready. It's fine for you to be rapture ready. But we, we're not done with our assignment as a church yet. You gotta, that's something you've got to get into mind. Now, if you can't see that, then it's going to be hard for you to understand where I'm coming from. Because there's, there is a spot here where there has to be dominion and authority of the body of Christ exercised in this earth before we're done. We're not going out of here limping, you know, beat down in the battle. Thank you, God, for delivering me. No, every time there was stuff going on, God meant for his people to stand up against it, not be overcome by it. So why would his character change? And we, especially on our land, have got some stuff to do with what God has given us where this nation is concerned. So, first of all, there's got to be a jubilee on this land called America and a release from all fraud, debt, unrighteousness, and things that are abominable to the Lord. Secondly, deliverance of our children, both the born and unborn, from the satanic worshipers. Three, the halting and folly of sorcerers manifested because of the demonstration of God's life on the land. There's got to be a purging of the land from homosexuality, pedophilia, and bestiality. 
All who are captive and desire freedom need to be able to receive it. Now, I know some people don't like some of that stuff in there. To some of them, it's not politically correct, but it's biblically correct. That's what counts. We can look at some revivals in the Bible. And I say revivals, I'm talking about revivals. We can look at one that Hezekiah had. And if you read through what he did, you can look up at the cleanup act that he did through there. And it's amazing some of the things that you find out that he did there. But listen to me, folks. The year of eternal life or the year of God's life, we're talking about a year of God's life being demonstrated and manifested. But we're going to start sowing into that right now. I'm not talking about sowing your money. I'm talking about your prayer, your confession, our time, and what we declare. So we got a couple of things to do before we leave here. We need to, if there are announcements, we need to receive first fruits, tithes, and offerings, and all that. That's not what's most important right now. What I want us to do is I want us to come to this altar this morning. Because I want us to start praying and declaring some things here. And if you don't want to stand up here, then then come sit here close by or sit on the altar or something. But we're going to release some stuff into the air before 2021 ever gets here. That's right. Before it gets here, we're going to release some stuff into the air. It's a year of good. I know there are a lot of folks right now that some people would think, man, pastor, I, I, I want to pray this prayer. It's good, but I feel like I'm so hurt and challenged and worn out and beat down with what's going on in my own life. And that's understandable. But what I'm saying here now is that people need to dig down on the inside into that well that never runs dry. Into that river of life that's on the inside of you. And pull up strength from the Holy One and put some words out and some prayers out and start declaring some stuff that God means to happen in his church and on his land. I know some people are tired. I know it. I know some people. I know it. Folks, I know it. I understand that. But you know what? The God who's on the inside of us, he never, ever, ever, ever runs out of strength. And Paul said, I can do all things. All things. Through Christ who strengthens me. So do what you can. If you're in that position right now, take a little bit for yourself. But do something right now and start declaring and speaking out into the airwaves. This year coming is a year where there's righteousness on this land. There's God's life released on this land. The people that we've watched being tormented and abused are free. We're going to see that on this land. We're going to see the folly of every sorcerer and every demonic worshiper, especially the ones who've been working in and through government. We're going to see all that. They're going to be brought to folly and to nothing. Just like Paul talked about what happened in 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy 3, when he talked about Janus and Jammers and how they withstood Moses. But what happened is that they came to nothing. And you know what happened with Moses and them cats. You know what happened right there. That's right. They end up coming to nothing. And that's exactly what God said would happen in those last days. So we're going to start declaring some stuff. You don't have to wait on me out of your own mouth. Maybe there's some things here that are close to your heart. Maybe abortion is something that just disgusts you. And you know it's not right. And people have been getting away with it. 
Well, maybe for you, maybe you shout that out. Say, you know what? That's over on this land in 2021. In Jesus' name, it's shut down. It's shut down, and especially when you talk, we're not talking about mothers and the babies that may be challenged by dying. We're talking about just want to throwing a, throw a life away or take it and use it to put in, in some vaccines or something or steal the, the life of those young people so some of these turkeys will use it for their own energy. We're talking about that abuse. Shut it down. That may be close to you. Maybe children who've been misused and abused sexually and all the sex trafficking that's gone on. Maybe that's close to your heart. Jump on it. It's over. It's done in Jesus' name. That's what, that's, that's what I'm saying. People that have been abused by this USA, US, USA Inc. Corporation and who are so, so much debt that they can't see and the whole nation, as a matter of fact, being abused. Maybe that's important to you. Declare out of your mouth that freedom that liberty. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your life. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you for Zoe. We thank you for the life of God that's on the inside of us right now. That life is in us. We receive that life. When we receive Jesus, we receive life. So we thank you for life, Lord. Thank you for life. Thank you for life. And from this moment on, it's going to be a priority in all of our lives to understand, Lord, what that eternal life means. That it's not just living forever, but it's you on the inside of us wanting our minds to be renewed to it so you can express that life to those who haven't seen you or known who you are. So we thank you for life. Hallelujah. We thank you for life for life, for your life on the inside of us, your life being manifested in our mortal bodies, hallelujah, your life that renews our minds. We thank you for life, life. He that has the Son has that life on the inside of us. We thank you for your nature, your character, your love, your joy, your peace, your long-suffering, hallelujah. We thank you for all those character qualities of your life. We thank you for the healing and the health that is in your life, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for missing body parts that are in that life, hallelujah. We thank you for life. We thank you for life that renews people's minds. We thank you for life that drives off the demonic activity in people's lives and it frees them up. We thank you for that life right now being in us in abundance. And we thank you that out of our innermost being will flow rivers of that life-giving water. We thank you for life, oh God. We're releasing life right now, hallelujah. We're not waiting till next year. We're releasing life right now. And so we declare the rivers of water of life are flowing right now as we are praying, as we're speaking, as we're declaring in the name of Jesus. Even those who are standing here right now who need encouragement, first and foremost, we thank you for life and strength, encouragement for them right now. Strengthen their minds, strengthen their mortal bodies. Encouragement, oh God, vision being rekindled in their hearts and minds where they can see the promises and everything that you have declared that is already theirs in Christ. We thank you for that right now. Strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. That Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. That they're being rooted and grounded in love. We'll be able to comprehend with one another the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. And we know your love that passes knowledge that we might be filled with all your fullness. So we receive that right here and right now in our lives. We thank you for it. And we declare right now in the name of Jesus, this year coming is a year of jubilee, hallelujah. It's abundance. Your people are made free. We are proclaiming and declaring what already has been done for the work is finished. But we're speaking it out in Jesus' name. We're putting it out there right now in the name of Jesus. We're saying that this land is cleansed in Jesus' name from innocent blood. It's cleansed. 
cleanse in Jesus' name. And those who have done that wickedness, that they are moved out of the way. And if they don't repent, they are really moved out of the way. We're thanking you right now that all sorcery is underneath our feet. All witchcraft is underneath our feet in Jesus' name. All pedophilia is underneath our feet in Jesus' name. Bestiality is underneath our feet in Jesus' name. Homosexuality is underneath our feet in the name of Jesus. Adultery is underneath our feet in Jesus' name. We're declaring a cleansing on this land. We're declaring right now in Jesus' name where people have been abused and their wealth has been stolen. That it's returned at least sevenfold in Jesus' name. We declare people be free from all indebtedness in Jesus' name. And that the people in this land are no longer the surety for the debt. In Jesus' name, we declare life, 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 hallelujah. We declare limbs growing out in Jesus' name. Eyes replaced in Jesus' name. Limbs strengthened, body parts replaced in Jesus' name. We declare your supernatural power at work in and through us. We declare the knowledge of God released and the glory of God released on this land and released in the earth in Jesus' name. We're thanking you for it right now. We sow that seed. We water it right now. Hallelujah. And this year coming is a year of eternal life. It's a year that your life is in demonstration. Hallelujah. The way it is supposed to be through all of the church. Hallelujah. Not just a member here or there, but all of the people who name the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Life flows from our hands. Life comes off of our countenances. Life comes out of our mouths. Hallelujah. Everywhere we tread and we walk, we release life in Jesus' name. We release life. Hallelujah. Life, life that comes from you, Lord God. We receive, release life on our jobs, life in the schools. We thank you for boldness, oh God, that we may release that life. Hallelujah. That we may release your word, that you have something to confirm in Jesus' name. We thank you that we are free from fear and the intimidation of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. It's a year of your boldness released through your people. We declare it right now, hallelujah. We proclaim it in Jesus' name. And we proclaim that as a nation, we become a light once again to the whole world, not just because of the stuff that we have, but because of that light from the gospel that comes forth from here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And that year will drip with abundance. Hallelujah. It will drip with your goodness. Hallelujah. All your goodness will overflow out of your people. Lord, and we'll know that you're not coming down from heaven doing something, but you're coming out of your people doing something because you're, you're, we're your divine representatives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it starts now. Hallelujah. It starts right now. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Life flows out of us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We dip into the well of life for ourselves, and out of our belly flows rivers of living water that others may drink. Hallelujah. We've got the water of life already in us. Hallelujah. 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 I speak strength into your lives in Jesus' name. I speak strength that rises up on the inside of you in Jesus' name. The anointed one dwells on the inside of each of us. Life and strength rise up on the inside of us. We have not only hope, but we see in Jesus' name everything that God has spoken and declared in his word. Strength to you. Strength to you. Strength in Jesus' name. Insight in Jesus' name. Wisdom in Jesus' name. Health and soundness in Jesus' name. Clarity of thought in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 And we walk on and take every bit of ground that belongs to us 
because we are in the kingdom of God. Everything belongs to us. We take what's ours, including the heathen in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 All fraud is exposed in Jesus' name. It's exposed in Jesus' name. And the witness of your spirit rises up on the inside of all of your people where they'll know everything is fraudulent and they'll know the truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 So mark today in your Bibles, please. If you take notes, mark it on your notes, what we've done today. Mark it there, and then let's build from here on right on into 2021 in the name of Jesus. Let's push this thing on through starting right now. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.